Welcome back to another edition of Fire and Ice Sports. As always, my name is Evan Smoke, and I am the resident fire here on the show. It is Tuesday, January 25th at 2.15 p.m., and about three hours southeast of me, same time zone as usual, is Mr. Bryson Wheeler, the local ice, a sophomore at the University of Georgia Southern, Georgia Southern University, however you want to say it. Bryson, how, was, how are you recovering after this amazing weekend of football? Man, was it good. And we're going to jump right into the NFL first. We're going to change it up a little bit right after the trivia questions. But we actually have two this week, one from Jackson, one from Noah. So Noah's going first. Okay, so this season, both number one seeds lost in the divisional round. Last team that happened was in 2010. Name the two number one seeds. Oh, my God. Oh, a little tough. Give me the Pats as one. The Patriots is one. Packers. The Packers is not it. It's going to be – the Patriots was way too easy, so this other one's going to be very hard. Uh, well, no. Was it the New York Giants? It was not. Ooh, that was 0-9, I think. But good guess there. I like that. I get all the sides mixed up. I I don't even really know NFC AFC that well. <sighs> I feel like it was either like I'm just gonna start naming teams, and I don't think I gotta give me points. Like I feel like the Saints could be in there. Not the Saints. Twenty two. Like... Give me the Cardinals. Not the Cardinals. All right. That's a good I, one. I I'll, give up. I'll give you one more guess, Evan. 49ers? It was not. It was the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> what? I didn't know we were on one seed. <laughs> I didn't even know we could be on one seed. I know we got killed by the Packers. They lost 48-21. I was at that game. All right, well, Jackson, you got us. I do have this one. All right. Simple question. Who is the all-time dunk leader in the NBA? Who has dunked the ball the most times in NBA history? Will Chamberlain. No. Steve Abdul-Jabbar. No. One Dwight more, Howard. One more guess each. Dwight Howard. That's it. Bang! <laughs> that was my second, but I just didn't think Dwight. See, people really underestimate it Dwight's was Shaq prom. for like 20 yeah. years. <laughs> Dwight was so good in his prom. Gets overlooked, but let's go ahead and jump into the NFL. <laughs> And the first thing I want to talk about, I mean, this was an amazing week of football. We have tons and tons to talk about. It's going to be a pretty long podcast probably, but jump into it. Joe Burrow and the Bengals showed that they are legit as they take down the number one seed Titans. You know, I was back and forth about this game the whole week. I really want to take the Bengals, but then my, my mind just kept saying, Titans are the one seed. Don't overlook them. They're going to win. Well, the, Joe Burrow and the Bengals just showed out this offense – you know, did just enough. They only scored 19, but the defense looked really well. Ryan Tannehill got sacked, what, nine times? Something yeah. like that. Eight. I, it was incredible. Joe Burrow got sacked. Yeah, Tannehill did too a lot. Yeah, Burrow did get sacked nine. That's what I was thinking. But Tannehill got sacked a lot too. Tannehill threw three picks. Derrick Henry struggled as he came back. A.J. Brown had a really good game. Burrow, Higgins, and Jamar Chase have really good games. So what were your thoughts on this one and the Bengals shocking people? Well, no, I mean, I, I said it. I, I thought the Bengals were going to win this game. And, you know, I'm not saying I expected it to be 
you know, in the fashion that it was, I thought Joe Burrow and Chase are going to explode, you know, win a shootout. Well, the defense is, you know, you know 1980s type playoff game, but it was, you know, offensive lines are really defenses were sitting pressure. Um, Tannehill had multiple, multiple threads that resulted in interceptions, but I just great win for Zach Taylor in the in the city of Cincinnati, man. I mean, that's really where it comes down to this program who has been, I mean, it's not one of playoff games. It's 1991 is now won two in a row in the last two weeks. You know, the fan base is ecstatic. Joe Burrow has solidified himself as probably a top 10 quarterback, I think at this point, or at least he's playing like, at least I just, I think it really good side for the future of the franchise. Yeah, I agree. But the problem to me is, like we said, Joe Burrow got sacked nine times. You know, before the season, we were wondering should they have drafted offense lineman over Jamar Chase. And, you know, Chase looks really good pick. They do need more of an offensive line, though, and it's coming to show that it really hurt. I'm not saying Jamar Chase was their own pick. I think he was the right pick. But you've got to get offensive linemen somehow in, whether it's free agency, trades, whatever. But let's jump to the next game that really, really shocked me. And you know I didn't have the Packers in my Super Bowl, but I sure expected them to beat the 49ers. It was a real hard-fought defensive game, 13-10 to 10 win by the Pack, by the 49ers over the Packers. You know, the Packers seemed in control of this game a lot of the time early, but they just kept letting the 49ers hang in this game and hang in it. And then all of a sudden, the 49ers score. And, you know, that was the ballgame. Jimmy G didn't really do much, but he didn't have to. This defense kept them in the game. The run game kept them in the game. What were your thoughts on that one? Well, even it, it felt like a surprise turn of events because, like you know, Green Bay plays in snow. It feels like every every week after December first, but they did not look like they could just handle it. Like their the passes were throwing, they kept trying to run the ball. They just looked very in unprepared to play in snow. And like both teams were. I mean, you know, San Francisco kind of gets a pass because you know they live in sunny California. And so neither team really could get anything offensively going. The defenses were, you know, were a product of some hard nose run the run the ball down. They just ran right into six linebackers or some bad throws. But I mean, hey, credit to the 49ers for going in there, winning a game where it was 13 degrees, you know, taking a lead, solidifying themselves as an NFC championship participant. Well, I already talked to Jackson about this. I already asked him, but I want to ask you and Noah. I just want to hear y'all's guesses. Aaron Rodgers threw for 225 yards uh, Saturday. How many did not go to Aaron Jones or Devontae Adams? How many of those 225? Two. What's your guess, Noah? 46. Six. Six Six-yard catch by Alan Lazard. Um, Mercedes Lewis also had a zero-yard catch. No one else caught another pass. And that's what I stated a few podcasts back, and I was like, who is going to step up as the wide receiver two or just the second pass catcher in this defense, on this offense? And, yes, you had Aaron Jones, but you needed somebody else, whether it was Valdez Scantling, whether it was Lazard, Mercedes Lewis. You know, like last year, you had Tanya and Marquez Valdez Scantling step up in the playoffs for him. No one did that this year, and that was their problem, and that's what really worries me about this team. And I'm going to ask you this, but – I'll, I'll go ahead and give my side. I think that was Aaron Rodgers' last game in Lambeau. What do you think? I agree. All right. Well, let's jump to the next game. And it was the Rams hold off a late comeback from Tom Brady and the Bucks. 
I'm just gonna go out, go ahead and say Stafford and Cooper Cup are absolutely unstoppable. What they did was just amazing. You know, that was my lock of the day. Cooper Cup over 100 and a half receiving yards. He goes for 183. Matthew Stafford goes for 366 and two touchdowns. Cam Akers did not have the game that we all expected. He had 48 yards on 24 carries, two yards per carry, nothing special. Tom Brady had a solid game. Fournette looked good in his return. Mike Evans had a really good game, had that long touchdown on Jalen Ramsey. I've never seen Jalen Ramsey get beat like that, that he did by Mike Evans. But, you know, this game was controlled by the Rams for three quarters. But they let the Bucks get back in this. And, you know, we kept saying, is Brady going to do this? He's just incredible. And they score that touchdown to tie it up with, what was it, a minute left? And then the uh, the Rams go down, get in field goal range, long play by Cooper Cook, kick that field goal to win it. What were your thoughts on this game? And do you think the Rams have a really good shot at winning it all now? I, I do. And, like, I, I think the Rams are poised to make the Super Bowl and, you know, probably – compete if not be favored to win it i know a lot of people are putting money on the chiefs but i wouldn't i wouldn't agree with that as wholeheartedly as some people are i'm really impressed by this rams team the tampa bay Bucks saturday you know they almost pulled an atlanta falcons type collapse but thankfully they were able to come back hold off brady long enough to score and win the game you know so that's something that you can hang your hat on yeah it wasn't the most beautiful fourth quarter but hey it doesn't matter you won the game you beat the defending champs you beat tom brady and now you got a chance to, you know, host a team that you haven't beat all year that's a divisional rival at your home stadium for a chance to play in a Super Bowl at your home stadium. Yeah, Jimmy G, 6-0 against the Rams in his career, but I expect that to change. But we'll get into that after this last game. Now I want to jump into the Chiefs and Bills. Chiefs win a shootout over the Bills. And this was one of the best games I've ever seen. I'll ask you a couple questions about it later. I just want to run down it real quick. Josh Allen throws for 329 and four touchdowns. His playoff run that he had was absolutely incredible. Best QBR in a playoff by any quarterback, 50 or more attempts. Josh Allen also ran for 68 yards. Gabe Davis uh, had the game of his life, absolutely incredible game, 201 yards, four touchdowns. He he looked he definitely stepped up with Stephon Diggs not really playing good and them two could be very dangerous going forward for them. On the other side, Patrick Mahomes throws for three seventy eight. He had hundred and seventy seven yards after the two minute warning though in the fourth quarter. That's absolutely insane stat there. Patrick Mahomes was at also the leading rusher for the Chiefs. Went for sixty nine yards. Both quarterbacks were the two leading rushers in this game. Jarrett McKinnon did have a good game though as well. Tyreek Hill goes for 150 and a touchdown. We finally got to see a healthy Tyreek Hill back in action. Looked really good. Travis Kelsey goes for 96 yards and a touchdown as well. But I have two questions I want to ask you on this game. And the first one is, was this the best game that you've ever seen? It's probably yes. Yeah, NFL-wise, this is the best game I've ever seen. It was a really good game. It was everything that you wanted it to be. I'm just sad that it ended early. Well, yeah, I I, I agree. Because I started thinking about it after the game. You know, everybody was saying, was this the best game? And at first I was like, no. But then I started thinking, I was like, I can't come up with a game that was better than this. You know, with the implications, everything on the line, how they played, the high offense scoring powers – you know, the Chiefs going down with 13 seconds left with the two big plays to get in field goal range and kicking the 48-yarder to tie it. Everything about this game was just incredible. Must-watch TV. Those two teams are going to be in the AFC Championship for years and years to come. 
I'm gonna be fun to watch later going forward. But the second game, or the second question I want to ask you is: Should the NFL fix overtime rules, and if so, how should they change it? Yes, they definitely should. Um, and that game yesterday is the prime example, especially in the playoffs. If you the regular season continue to allow ties and such, that's fine. Playoffs, you've got to you've got to give both teams a chance, especially in a game that close. In a game where I had no, I'm not saying full confidence, but a lot of confidence that the Bills would have answered, you know, for the way they were playing, which could have, you know, just like, I don't know, man. I, I think I've seen a lot of proposals I've seen, you know, rules. I've seen the spotted shoes. I like the spotted shoes. I know it's a little complicated, but I think it's a unique idea. Um, and for you who don't know, the spotted shoes is one team could spot the ball at any yard line between one and 20, but then the other team would get to choose offense or defense. So let's say you spot the ball at the one, where the other team could just choose offense. But you could spot the ball at the 20, and the other team could just choose defense. So, I mean, it's I like that rule. I think it's an interesting, you know, addition. But it doesn't – I think you have to be able to guarantee both teams a possession or you're going to see something similar to yesterday. We're a team who really deserved – uh, you know, who, who who was just equal all day, and they didn't get that equal opportunity in the in the overtime period. Yeah, I hate it for the Bills not getting the opportunity, and I do think that they should change it. I think they should honestly just play a whole nother quarter and just play it out, kind of like the NBA. You know, they have five minute overtime. I think they should probably just play a fifteen minute overtime, play it out. Whoever's winning after that wins. But I don't think it needs to be changed quite as much as some other people. I, I don't think it's the best, but I think it's all right. You know, why couldn't the Bills stop them? I mean, yes, I know that they, they got the coin toss, got the ball. We all knew they were going to go downfield and score. But who? why couldn't the Bills stop them and get the ball back and score? It's not like, oh, the Chiefs are going to win. The Bills could have stopped them. They had the number one defense in all of football, so why couldn't they just stop them? So, I mean, you know. Props to the Chiefs for going downfield and scoring on this number one defense. But let's go ahead and jump into two games next week. And the Bengals and Chiefs for the AFC Championship. Kansas City opens up as a seven-point favorite at home. I think that's a little bit high. I think the Bengals are going to cover that. We saw it one of the last weeks of the season. The Bengals beat them. I don't think that the Bengals win. But I do like Kansas City, but not quite by seven. But what's your pick for this game? Bengals money line all day, baby. I don't know. It's something about this team that I just like. I, I think it's a lot like the Buccaneers or the Eagles were a couple years ago where, you know, it just feels like they're going to find a way to win this game. They're just going to find a way to do it. And, and I think they really do do it. I think Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are playing amazing. I think the offensive line is going to have to patch up some holes. Don't get me wrong. But I think Zach Taylor and his team will make some necessary adjustments to at least perform better. Not good, but better. And, you know, I, I think the Bengals' defense is better than the Chiefs' defense. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I think this game is high scoring. I would definitely pick the, the Bengals to cover that seven and a half. But I, I think I'm going to take the Bengals outright right here. Well, Noah's over here laughing at us, so let me get his take on the game. The Chiefs are going to win by 10-plus. That's just – I'm going to end it like that. Chiefs win by 10-plus. All right, Jackson, what's your pick? Uh, Chiefs by 10 plus. Okay, well, you hear both my roommates are going Chiefs by 10 plus. So that'll probably mean the Bengals win by 14. (laughs) Yeah, I am over four in my last four playoff games. Yeah, no one went over last week, so fade him. But 
let's jump into the next game, and it's the 49ers and Rams. And this one is one that I don't think will be as cl- as close as many people are expecting. The Rams are three-and-a-half-point favorites. You know, yes, the 49ers have beat them twice this year already, but I just expect this Rams team to win this game pretty handily. The Rams have been playing really good ball. They get Ernest Jones back this week. Cam Akers is back. He's going to keep getting healthier, run the ball better. What Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup are doing right now is absolutely insane. I think they'll be able to stop the run with this front seven, led by Ernest Jones, Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller, all those guys. And I think that they're going to be able to score on this 49ers team. But what's your prediction? Yeah, I'll say this. I've got the Rams winning. Um, I think in any form or fashion, I'm not – I mean, like, I can see a close game. I can see a middle game. I can see a blowout. Like, I don't know exactly where um, it's going to go, but I think I am going to take – I'm going to say this. I don't see a way that the 49ers win this game. I see – I see a, a, the only way I think 49ers advance is if the Rams did something like at the end of – like at the end of the Tampa Bay game where they just completely <laughs> combusted and art and like just hand the game over to San Francisco. Well, Noah and Jackson, what y'all's picks? Uh, like Evan said, I really don't see a way that the uh, Rams lose. Uh, uh, better said, I don't see a way the 49ers win this game. It's not like this is how I see it. The Rams are either going to win this game or they're going to lose this game. The 49ers, really? the 49ers aren't going to go ahead Thanks, and, just, and just beat the Rams outright. Like Evan said, they're just going to fall apart at the end and the 49ers sneak by. You heard it there. The Rams are either going to win or going to lose. Thanks, Joe Buck. Noah, what's your pick? Well, the 49ers beat them twice in the regular season. But I do think the Rams win. I think it'll be a lot closer than people think. I think the Rams win by, like, maybe a late field goal. All right. And the last – but the last thing I want to talk about for the NFL is Sean Payton, right before this podcast starting, has stepped away from the Saints. So I'm not sure if he's going to retire. I don't think he is because he's still a fairly young coach. I would expect him to get a, <coughs> a job somewhere else. I expect him to do real good there. He's one of the best coaches in the NFL. But what what are your thoughts on that, Leave? Well, I think the report is right now that he is retiring. So I think he will step a year. He's 58. He might take a year or two off, come back at 60 and coach one more contract then head out. I think he's waiting for the right opportunity to open up because I think he does want to win a Super Bowl. I think that's why he's leaving New Orleans because he doesn't think he's got enough time left there to rebuild. So I think he's going to try to find a right spot to go to and like work with the roster he has. I think he takes a year or two off but comes back in a couple of years and coaches a contender. Yeah, well, I totally agree with what you just said. He may not have enough time to rebuild this team. If you don't know much about the Saints, they while they're a decent football team, they have zero cap space right now. They don't really have a quarterback. They're really old, especially on the defense side of the ball. As we know, they don't do not have any pass catchers. They just they're in shambles right now. They're only going down and he needs to leave and go somewhere better that, you know, is on the come up, and they are definitely not that. But let's jump to college football real quick, and we're just going to talk about the transfer portal a little bit. Next week I'm going to talk about National Signing Day because Signing Day is on the second. So I'll give some of the picks for the top uncommitted or unsigned prospects next week. But this week we're just going to talk about transfers. 
And the first one is one that's probably really hurting you because I've seen a lot of backlash from Georgia fans on this one. And it's Jermaine Burton to Alabama. Now, I'm just going to say this. I think it was a great business move for him. As we've seen the last few years, Alabama has had tons of number one wide receivers get drafted really high. Jamison Williams, the transfer from Ohio State, he's going to be a top 10 pick, top 15 pick, whatever. We've seen Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, all these great pass catchers come out of there the last few years. And I think Jermaine Burton's going to step in and be their wide receiver one this next year and do exactly those things. I think he's going to have over 1,000 yards this next year, probably 10 touchdowns. I understand why Georgia fans are mad. because I mean, that's kind of just a weird move. Hey, we just beat you in the championship. But I think on the business aspect and just for Jermaine Burton, I think this was a great move for him, great pickup for Alabama. I've been saying they're going to go get a wide receiver in the portal, and this was their guy. What's on it? Well, I, I get the business decision of it, especially with the talentness that has been the Alabama wide receivers lately. But he could have went anywhere in the country and been just fine, like at least an elite program. Um, I think it's a slap in the face, but that's just the dog fan in me. That's that's my bias, and I'm aware of it. I don't I don't know why he would go to Alabama. I know a lot of people with the program, a lot of alumni, a lot of fans are very hurt by it. But hey, this game is a business decision at this point. The free agency market is completely open, and Alabama provides the best spot. So he took the best job. I'm not going to shit on the kid for that. It's not fair. It's just I don't I don't like it. But I, I get why he did it. Yeah, I mean Alabama though is just tearing up the transfer portal right now. They brought in the number one running back in Jameer Gibbs, the number one cornerback in Eli Ricks, the number one wide receiver in Jermaine Burton. They they're going to dominate next year. But let's jump into some more and. The next one I'm talk about is Tyron Hopper, and most people probably don't know who this is, but it's Florida's linebacker. He entered the portal like Thursday, I think, and then immediately withdrew, and then he re-entered yesterday. Tyron Hopper was probably going to be our linebacker one or maybe two. He was definitely going to start. Big loss for Florida. I'm hearing he's either going to join his brother at Missouri, who just transferred there from North Carolina, or go to Auburn and follow Coach Robinson, who is – Auburn's new linebacker coach. I'm sorry, Noah. He's awful. But Tyron Hopper is going to be a real good get for whoever in the nation gets him. The next one I want to talk about is JT Daniels. And this one I don't think really hurts dog fans as much because Stetson's coming back. He was probably going to be the starter next year. We all knew that. JT was out the door if Stetson came back. But I'm not sure where he goes. I've heard Ole Miss. I've heard West Virginia. And you know I bash JT a lot. I don't think he is this all-world Heisman contender that everybody made him out to be. But JT's a good quarterback, and I think if he goes to an offense like Ole Miss, that he would do real good things there. But what are your thoughts on him moving? Well, I think he's going to wait a while. I think he's definitely going to make a decision. And, like, I think he might not make a decision until after spring balls from, what I'm, from some of the reports coming out close to the source. I think he does it before then, but don't be shocked if it's in the – you know, I like the old Miss move. Um, I think West Virginia would be a downgrade. I don't I, like. I don't understand if old Miss is on the table why you go to West Virginia. Um, I think there could be other places he might look to. Um, I think somewhere out west where he's kind of from, maybe going back home could be somewhere interesting. And I think maybe a smaller, you know, rising group of five school or a Cincinnati or a UCF could be in play. Yeah. All right. 
Well, let's jump to two more real quick. And the first one's Traylon Smith, running back from Arkansas, had a real good season this year. I think he's going to be a great pickup for somebody. Not really sure where he's crystal ball to or where he's going to go. But be a real good pickup for somebody who needs a running back. And the last one is Travis Dye. We talked about last week had over, I think it was 1,600 yards and 12 touchdowns this past year. He goes to USC. And USC just keeps pulling all kinds of transfers left and right. They have tons of transfers from Alabama. You know, they're backups. What Lincoln Riley doing there is doing there is just phenomenal, I think, so far. I think they're a Pac-12 contender immediately next year, along with Utah and Oregon. Oregon still needs to find that running back, but Utah's going to be so stout. I think USC may be able to compete with them next year. But what are your thoughts on uh, that move and what USC's doing so far? Well, the Lincoln Riley effect is definitely clear. He's 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 made the team from an 8-4 and four team to at least 10-2, and two, if not higher. Um the Travis Dye pool is really great. You know, Jackson Dartley, the only thing they're missing is the Caleb William domino. You know, that's the domino that's still out there. Because, see, here's the real question. If you lose Dart and you lose Caleb Williams, who's your quarterback? Well, I don't see any way Caleb Williams does not go there. I think Caleb Williams and Mario Williams are going to both go, and it's going to be phenomenal for them. I don't see a way that he doesn't go. Well, see, I, I agree with you, but why is it taking this long? Uh, well, one thing that I've heard is a lot of players should do, and a lot of them are doing, is they're using the the transfer portal to get more NIL. If you look at Jackson Dart, his NIL like evaluation was $30,000 before he got into the portal. It's 91000 now. They get in the portal. All these teams are throwing things left and right at them, sponsorships, all kinds of stuff. And they're just going to take, you know, pretty much who gives them the most money. But it builds their money while they're in the portal because they're getting so much publicity and stuff and I think that's probably a lot of because Caleb Williams seems like a real flashy guy real about himself kind of like Spencer Rattler I think both of them really were a lot of that and I think that's one of the main reasons why he's still in the portal do you have anything else on football before we jump into not. some basketball I do not all right well let's jump into college basketball and me and Noah watched this game last night this Kansas holds off a very sneaky Texas Tech team at home in two overtimes it was one of the best basketball games I've seen in a while. Texas Tech was down 12 with four minutes to go, came back and tied it. You know, uh, and then in the first overtime, they were up five with like a minute left. Kansas came back and tied it. And Kansas ultimately won the game in two overtimes, 94 to 91. Kevin O'Banner, the transfer from Oral Roberts, had a real good game. Bryson Williams had a real good game for Texas Tech as well. Ochai Baji had the game of his life for Kansas, went for 37 points, had a real – was it in the first overtime or in uh, regulation when he hit the three to tie the so. In first overtime, he hit a three with like six seconds left, just crazy three. But Kansas fi- found a way to beat this really sneaky good Texas Tech team. But I don't think this Kansas team is a top five team in the country. Ochai Baji had a real good game, and I get to have Devin McCormick, who's a real good player as well. They just don't stand out to me when I watch them. Do I think they're a good team? Yes, probably a top ten. I do not think they're a top five. But what are your thoughts on this game and these two teams? No, no, I agree. This was actually one of the first college basketball games I was able to sit down and really watch. And both of these teams impressed me. Now, I will agree that the Kansas maybe isn't top five. They're probably top eight, somewhere in there. This Texas Tech team definitely earned my respect. They they held strong in the fog versus the Jayhawks, you know, big conference game. 
didn't bat an eye, you know, push it to double overtime. Don't expect them to be penalized very much when the rankings come out next week. So, I mean, hats off to both these teams. I think we're going to get a matchup later in the season, if not in the regular season, if the tournament, and it's going to be another barn burner just like last night's was. Well, speaking of rankings, we have a new number one team in the country, and it's Noah's Auburn Tigers, and they beat Kentucky Saturday by nine. Now, you know, Kentucky lost Tata Washington very early, very early in the game. Sabir Wheeler was out a lot of the second half coming in. He was in. out four minutes. Yeah, and y'all know y'all went on a 10-0 run during that? He was that? out four minutes. And y'all went on a 10-0 run. He wasn't out most of the second half. He was out four minutes. He was okay. Back and check. Okay, he was out four minutes maybe. We then went out a little bit at the end. Y'all went on a 10-0 run without him. Kentucky, you know – those two guards were pretty much their only guards. Yes, you have Kellen Grady, but he's just a shooter. You have Davion Mintz, but he's pretty much just a shooter. Without Tata and Severe Wheeler, they really could not get anything going on offense. All, Oscar Sheepway still put up 16 and 14. But on defense, Walker Kessler just had his own way with him. You know, they kept having, like, pick and rolls and just lobbing it up to him. It was not a pretty sight for Oscar Sheway on defense. Walker Kessler had a real good game, went for 19-7. and seven. Jabari Smith went for 14-7. and seven. KG, Katie Johnson went for 17-4. and four. Real good game. It was a real fun one to watch. I think these two teams are the two best in the SEC. I think at a neutral side, it's, it's a coin toss between these two teams. But what were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, Auburn played really well. Um, hats off to, you know, the Tigers. You know, they, they, had, they knew what they had to do. They knew if they beat Kentucky to be the number one team, and they did it. You know, they did it, you know, I wouldn't say easily, but they it felt like they were in control of the game most of it. And, you know, I'm just, you know, hats off to Noah and the fan base. I know they've had a rough year, so, you know, glad they had something to hang their hat on. Yeah, basketball season's looking a lot better than football season in the future of their football program as well. But well, hey, it's okay. They can enjoy that number one ranking until they come to Athens next weekend. Okay. <laughs> down. Chill, chill, dude. Chill. Let's try not to lose us 20 to Alabama tonight. Yeah. Hey, I, well, I did take a little bit of an alternate line because if Bama's not hitting their threes, they aren't the best. But I still took them an alternate line at seven and a half for Bama. They're definitely winning. But Oh, yeah. Uh, let's talk about another team that's been struggling lately. And this was a team that we've talked about with their gauntlet of a schedule and how they needed to win. But it's LSU, and they've dropped three straight now to Alabama, Tennessee, and Arkansas. they still got some real tough games coming up. They have A&M tomorrow. They've got TCU Saturday. They've got Ole Miss coming up. I, it's just this SEC gauntlet. It's kind of like we talk about in football, how the teams just beat up on each other a lot. Well, that's happening this year in basketball with Tennessee, Kentucky, Auburn, Ole Miss, Arkansas. All these teams are so, so good. And when you're playing two or three ranked teams a week, it's tough to stay up there at the top. But this LSU team, as they were ranked 12, they keep dropping as they've lost three straight. Hopefully they can turn around. But what are your thoughts on this LSU team? Well, we kind of talked about it last week. We said that this week of the gauntlet, you know, would kind of prove if they were legit or not. And I'm not saying that they're not a really good team, but I don't – I think we can remove contender from this, at least how they're playing right now. Um, definitely a team who could be dangerous, but – as of right now, you got to move them down a tier, you know, after a rough week, get them to really good teams. All right, and I want to preview two games for this upcoming week. And the first one is tonight's game, Arizona versus UCLA. 
And me and Jackson both have UCLA money line. We've already made our picks in. UCLA's number seven. Arizona's number three. It's at UCLA. You know, this UCLA team led by Johnny Juzang, Jaime Hawkes, they're, they're a really good team, real good defensive team. Arizona likes to score, though. I think it's going to be a real fun game. I think UCLA is finally able to slow down Arizona a little bit. UCLA's not gave up 80 points on the year, only giving up 67 per game. What's your pick on this one tonight? Yeah, I'm going to go right with you. I'm going to take UCLA, you know, to win a close game. But I think they're going to do it. I think they need that, like, big signature win, and I think this will provide it for them. This team is still scary good. I, I know they're a little – I wouldn't say – you know, last year at the end of the year, which is kind of expected after, you know, that heartbreaker in the Final Four. But, hey, I definitely got this team being more competitive, and I think I got to win them tonight. All right. Well, Noah, I want your pick, and please go Arizona. Please. Oh, I am. <laughs> okay, thank you. So, I feel even better about my pick. All right. Let's jump into the NBA real quick. And the Hawks have kind of been on a roll. They've won, what, four straight now? Four straight. Give us a rundown on them. What, you know, has been working for them lately? Will they continue this trend? Give us a little bit about the Hawks. All right. Well, the two things that you need to know, Trey Young and defensive efficiency. Trey Young is playing – I'm not going to say he's playing better. He's playing the same he always has. You know, he's playing out of his mind. Homeboy's got to be averaging like 28 points and 10 assists. I don't know his exact numbers, but it's got to be right around there. Pretty sure um, it's 27 and a half and nine and a half. Jess said 27 and a half, nine and a half. Yeah, you could. Yeah, a half point off each. Um, you know, if you move past that, the defense efficiency before like the last 10 games was like 29th out of 30th. The last 10 games were 15th. I mean, yeah, that's still not great, but that's 14 points higher than we were the rest of the year. If you could continue – to move up that ladder, we can definitely become a contender again. That's the problem. The offensive production has never been the problem for the Hawks. And you saw that last year in the playoffs. We could score with anybody. It was our defense that was making us win games. <laughs> they were doing defensive efficiency and hold record were the best in the second half after he got hired. If we could return to that level or at least somewhere similar, we'll definitely be able to get back into this playoff race and solidify ourselves as a playoff spot. All right. Well, let's – jump into another player and I want to talk about Embiid and he has just been absolutely dominating. Just listen to these last like 10 game stat lines. 38 12 and 6, 40 13 and 6, 50 and 12, 32 and 8, 32 and 12, 25 13 6, 31 and 6, 31 and 8, 31 and 12, 31 and 5. Since the new year has came around, he's just been absolutely obliterating opponents. We've been betting his over just about every night in points been hitting that over just about every night. His dominance has made him an MVP contender these last few weeks. What are your thoughts on this run by him, and can he keep it up? Oh, I, I don't know if he can keep it up to this level, but he could definitely be pretty close. I mean, that 76ers offense is his now. You could definitely see that after the Ben Simmons drama that's continued all season. I really am, you know, I think this is the right move for the 76ers. Embiid is the better player. He's playing out of his mind right now, but it'll definitely, even when he comes down, would definitely still be a high-scoring threat. All right. And the last thing I want to talk about the NBA is Steph Curry and the Warriors have been struggling a little bit lately. I know they've won three of their last four now, but they are 5-5 five and five in their last ten. Steph Curry went one for 13 from three the other night. He's been struggling shooting most of the year. But what are your thoughts on this Warriors team? You know, is it – What's the problem with them right now? Just tell us if you got anything. 
shoot it. I mean, straight up. It's not a Steph's problem. I mean, they're around the team. They're having a problem throwing the ball in the basket. And, you know, if you can't really do that when you're a 3 and D type team, because there's really not a solidified post guy. I mean, like, yes, Wiseman and Draymond are huge, but both of them can shoot a little bit. I mean, so the, the shooting's definitely got to pick up. The defensive efficiency, I think, has fallen. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure it has. They just got to – the things that they're good at. They're just having a little off week or a rough stretch. I fully expect them to be back to full status real soon. Yeah, I do too. They're, they've dropped to the two seed. I don't see them falling much below that ever for the rest of the season. I think they'll be the one or two in the playoffs. Do you have anything else in the NBA before we jump into a little bit of the MLB? Nope. All right. Well, I just want to touch on real quick about the MLB lockdown update. The players and the owners' organizations met yesterday. There was a little bit of, you know, it seemed like a little movement forward because they met again today. And that's the thing you like to see when you have these lockdowns. Just keep seeing them talk. I know they're not getting come up with agreement, uh, you know, immediately. But it takes time. It takes talking. And when you're only talking once a month, it doesn't go anywhere. But when you're talking once a week, twice a week, keep building up like they are right now things start to look up. And I think that soon you're going to figure out within the next couple weeks what's going to go on. Do I think spring training probably gets pushed back? Yes. Do I think games get pushed back or lost? Yes. But I think the way it's going right now, hopefully not near as much as we could have lost, will be lost. But what do you have any thoughts on it real quick? No, but I want to get your take on that report that we tried to trade for Matt Olson from the Athletics. No, I don't. I don't believe there's been anything about that. I think that Matt Olson would be looked at if Freddie Freeman was to sign elsewhere. I don't think. I, I do think we have been in contact with him a little bit because I think Alex Anthopoulos does have a backup plan in case Freddie. But Alex Anthopoulos, just give Freddie a blank check. It's not that hard. I know you have plenty of checks. Rip one out of your checkbook, hand it to him, tell him to write how many years you want, how much money you want. And we have our first baseman. Why try to trade for Matt Olson when you're going to have to still pay him a lot, trade all these young prospects for him? Just go get Freddie Freeman. Give him a blank check. Give it to him. I do think Freddie Freeman is a brave. I'm still not worrying about it, whatever. I think Freddie Freeman's a brave when it's all said and done. But Well, Chipper said that, and I usually tend to believe Chipper. <laughs> well, I don't think there's been any, you know, like – serious trade talks or anything about have they you know contacted them about them probably yes anything serious i would say no but let's jump into some bold predictions for the next few days or a few weeks whatever do y'all have anything yes uh joel Embiid wins the mvp he keeps up his hot streak and wins mvp noah bet on it about two or three weeks ago what'd you get plus 900 odds on it he bet it so we'll see about that jackson you got anything jimmy Jimmy G throws under 100 passing yards. Okay. I can see it. Not that bold. Um, <laughs> Jimmy G's awful. Like, it, it's definitely time for them to move on. The 49ers are a really, really good football team outside of him, and it's just the quarterback play that's been holding them back from winning a Super Bowl. I think it's yeah. time to move on. I also think it is for the Titans, too. Noah might throw a haymaker at me right here and knock me out, but – Ryan Tannehill had a 21 to 17 touchdown interception ratio this year. That's not going to make it in the NFL if you're trying to win Super Bowls. And ultimately, you know, we talk about Derrick Henry all we want to. You still have to have a quarterback who can at least do something. 
And Tannehill, with his 21-17 touchdown interception ratio, is not what you need. But do you have a bold take for seven? I do. You know, kind of like I said, I've got the Bengals winning, and I say the Bengals win by 10. I, I don't know why. I don't know how. I just think this Bengals team is that good. They're just that hot right now, and they find a way to win by 10 this Sunday. Evan, I wish you could have saw all of our three faces over here. We were um, absolutely shocked on that. And, oh, I, I kind of forgot to preview a game earlier, and I'll touch on that, and I'll call it my bold take here. So, Kansas and Kentucky play this Saturday. And while I think Kansas is a really good team, I don't think they're made, made out to be what everybody makes them out to be. I think Kentucky wins this game, and – you know what? I'll go Kentucky wins. Oscar Sheway has 20 and 20. That's not bold. <laughs> All right. Kentucky wins over Kansas. Oscar Sheway 20 and 20 is my bold take. Sheway just dominates. I think he'll have his way with Devin McCormick or whoever's down low for them. I think he has his way. Sheway and Kentucky find a way to win. Do you have Sounds anything good. else to say before the end of the podcast? Uh, I could say go walks again, so that's nice. Well, go Hawks, go Braves, go Falcons.